Hey everybody, welcome back to another show of The Total CEO. I am Vinny Fisher, your host and the CEO of Fully Accountable. I have on the show today a friend, uh, also someone who is motivating on many levels, including the reminder of pushing me on my loserness and staying healthy. Hey, Nicholas <laughs> Barely, I want to welcome you to our show. Hey, Vinny, thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. And, you know, I always like pushing people, man. It's like kind of my job. Well, I will tell you, the first time you and I meet, we're at an event and you're like pushing me you're like, do you work out? What's up, man? And I'm like, well, can't you tell by this awesome fat physique that I do something? And it was obvious that you knew I did and you were teasing me. And, and so you're like always on. It's all about health all the time with you. I love that. It's like all the time. So, hey, I'm really start- always on, by the way, in general. It's, I, I think it would be one of my weaknesses in the family situation stuff, but I'm always <laughs> on. I don't really ever turn it off, whether it's business or health. It's always about improvement. It's always about what's going to move the needle forward. It's always about how can I get better this minute and where can I invest my time to do that. I love it. All right, so we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things today. It's a popcorn-style show. Our audience is very used to my uh, desire to stay focused for about 10 seconds, so we'll be all over the place. Before (laughs) we dive into that, could you give us a little commercial about Nicholas and uh, who you are and, and what awesome company you have and why the heck our people should be listening to this show? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up, I was going to be a professional athlete, thought I was going to race motocross. That's what my dad did. And that was really our goal. That's where we spent and invested all our time and money as a family. Usually takes about 500 grand to, for a family to have a kid go pro. So it's a big investment. What size Uh, vehicle were you driving? uh, So it just went up and up and up. So we started on 50 CC motorcycles at four years old and then uh, went up to 65s, 85s, 125s, 250s. Oh, you're at the 250s, wow. Oh, absolutely. I raced all the way till I was 20, technically. But, uh, you know, I wanted to be a professional athlete, and a lot of families leverage their whole home. They sell their business and literally go all in and then hope to get a repay on that. At 12 years old, I started my first business, lawn care service. I, I had printed out flyers of clip art, was going door to door on bicycles, and we were making two hundred and fifty dollars a week through our uh, our reoccurring customers. And I had to have my dad drive me around. My dad was a business owner. My uncle was a business owner. He had a uh, a multi uh, eight figure business. That so what happened? Up- so wait, so so just staying on that part about the motocross, you stopped at twenty. Did an injury happen? What happened that changed that idea? Yeah. So what happened was that I, I don't know, I had so much pressure on myself. I hate losing more than I like winning. So I always put so much pressure on myself that I would literally gag myself and throw up before I'd go race and wow. ride just because I felt like the pressure, I didn't want to go. And then I felt so purposeful afterwards because it was over. So at about 13 years old, I went to my dad and said, I want to be the best in the world. I literally, I thought if I was second place in the world, I would never even do it. I only wanted to be number one. I just had this. If you ain't first, you're last, right? I, I totally agreed with that. That was like, <laughs> I, I like was, I resonated. I thought exactly. That's what I've been saying. And everyone's laughing. Uh-huh. So my dad uh, told me in that moment that I would never be the best. Wow. And it's true. It probably was true. And you can't be the best every single day. There's always going to be a day you'll lose. And at that, at that point in my life, I didn't want to hear it. And that's when I quit really was 13 years old. I didn't talk to my dad for three and a half years, got out of the business, wow. gained 60 pounds, uh, got, had a 1.8 GPA, 
all throughout high school and no girlfriend at all. Lost all my relationships, everything. Full depression. Well, you know what? With all that suffering, you waited a while and you have a great wife. So like, uh, yeah. like that was a fair trade-off. Like that's okay. Like you looking back, Lord <laughs> dragged you through a journey to give you a great reward. You know, Job actually had all this suffering. At the end, he got double a blessing. I mean, look at the double blessing. You got. Hey, I'll, I'll take it, man. What, what, wife is by far the best thing. It's like, it's like already making it. It's like being a billionaire because with businesses, you can be excited about what you're doing, but you still have to go back to work the next day to keep going with a wife. You can actually sit there and enjoy and you go, we made it. We've got, we got the thing that we are looking for. Whereas business, it seems like there's always something else to do. There's always somewhere else to go. So it's my fifth year wedding anniversary. I saw that. That's congratulations on that. So yeah, it's a, that's what we've been reflecting on. And I'm just so grateful for that over the business. And, you know, health is great, but I still got to well, go. Well, it's really out. great you married someone who's not only better looking, but substantially smarter. So in both <laughs> cases, you like did really well. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to you own a company. What's it called? The Billion Dollar Body. The Billion Dollar Body. So you made a big shift from the motocross career. And I'll tell you, we'll get back to parenting and kids and, you know, maybe what dad because he did the best he could at the time, right? Absolutely. We'll talk about like what could have been or what could be the advice to our own kids in that situation. Like what it takes, what effort you have to put in to be the best. Not decide whether someone's going to be it or not. But what's the what's the commitment and potential loss of other things in order to be the best? That would have probably been structured advice that you could have heard versus you're a loser, right? And I, that, at least that's what you heard in your head, right? Yeah. And so. Looking back back to what my dad, by the way, he did almost everything textbook, but the fact that my parents were split up at five years old and I had a disciplinary father with a comforter mom, they were in two separate locations. My mom was conflicting what my dad was saying. And so I went to the easy way out. Sure. What what teenager would it? Well, smart ones. I don't know. Some, some get motivated by by being told. I have two sons. They're just like me. We take the path of least resistance. We're men. So that's what the natural way to go is. So the amount of maturity you would have had to exhibit at age 13 to pull that off is uh, almost a unicorn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to the billion dollar body. Eventually we're going to talk about this company because, but this is where I love where this is going. So, all right. So what's the mission of the billion dollar body? What happens there? Yeah. So we help male entrepreneurs and influencers look and feel like a billion dollars because we realized that so many people were coming up to us wanting to create a billion dollar body. I'm sure you've even said it. I want a billion dollar body. And that's great. But we actually help people realize that they already have one. Hmm. Their number one asset on the planet. They enjoy all goodness, all life, all satisfaction, all success all comes from this body that's worth more than a billion dollars. And we were fearfully and wonderfully made. So all that we can do is maybe improve a little bit, but it's already been made correctly, right? Is that your point? But the way that we invest in it when we have value for it is a lot different. Because when I, if I'm driving a $250,000 car, I'm parking it in the back of the parking lot. I'm parking it in a garage, no matter how much it costs to get one, because I have so much value. But you know, it's so funny driving- you say that. I was literally going before our show today. I was over at the, this place where I get like healthy drinks. And next door is his yogurt place. And out was coming this guy with a good old thing of yogurt. And I watched him walking across the parking lot to go get in his Tesla, which is parked all the way at the other side of the parking lot with his yogurt because he was like, you know, didn't want anyone parking near him. So I thought it was pretty funny. Because he had high value for the car. And so the same thought goes through with the body. And the reason we work with these people that are influencers is because when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, I drank Red Bull 
because of all the athletes mm. that did that and they're represent like they were the ones who inspired me to drink it because I thought I wanted to be like them. So I work with people that other people want to be like, which is, you know, sometimes the 10,000th employee at Verizon would never inspire me to get healthy. But a yeah. CEO of a company who's leading people or has influence, everyone's following in your footsteps and literally decisions you make can actually influence your entire company and way beyond the ripple effect is way bigger than we would ever imagine. So I help That's them influence huge. more people. So if, just as a quick little backup, make sure if they want to find you and your wife, Mostly you because you're the face of the company, right? She runs it and makes it work, but you're the face of it, right? Yeah, she doesn't like talking to everyone. That's for sure. She makes it work. I mean, let's just be honest, but that's okay. But that's great. That's right. My wife, believe me, without her, we'd be in a lot of trouble. And actually without (laughs) Rachel and our fully accountable, we'd be in a lot of trouble. So the two women in my life who really bring order and and lack of chaos are those, the two I cherish a lot. And so uh, the billiondollarbody.com is where they'd find you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, if they want to actually, I see a lot of your stuff. So if they want to see your stuff and get to know you, you have, uh, there's like live feeds and live events. How would they find out more about that stuff? Yeah, they go to the billiondollarbody.com or billiondollarbodylive.com. And that's where you can find out all about our live events. But there's tons of ways to get connected to us just from the billiondollarbody.com. There's all of our social platforms and we all produce, we produce specific content on each one. And you do like these like two day live events where you kind of show everybody what you do and mindset bigger, you know, cause I believe you can't do anything without the number one thing of getting rolling. You have to decide, commit and act. And if you don't make that decision, then the commit commitment and action doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So we'd get people instead of going through a six month coaching, a 12 month coaching every once in a while, we just get people in a room for two days and just immerse them and have that same type of transformation happen in two days mindset wise. And then they actually have to just live it out. And that's where the accountability piece comes in. Love so I'm pulling like $130,000 worth of speakers, some of the best speakers in the world when it comes to business, health, um, men, and specific chemicals and hormones and all these different things that just, it blows people's minds, but also the network there is absolutely. I can see the obvious reason why I wasn't called to be a speaker there, but you can make me feel better by saying it. The list was full, but no, it's good. I get it. Like, so you're going to have like the top of top people there, but that's also like when you look at your client roster, you have like the top of top people. So you really specialize in like the CEO, the, the business owner. And so one of the reasons why we thought you were a perfect fit for our show is you're working with like our, our audience, right? So yeah. you, so how does somebody like in Cleveland, Ohio work with a guy from San Diego and LA and all that good stuff? Yeah, that's all we work with. We work with uh, CEOs, entrepreneurs all over the world, all the way from here to Australia, mostly English speaking. Obviously, I haven't cracked the code on the uh, other other languages yet. Uh, but basically, they would just get connected with one of our coaches. Our coaches are literally here to just serve people. Cool. We help point people in the right direction. It could be the trainer down the street from them. It doesn't matter to us, really. We're just in full service. Gotcha. And we've seen a gap in the industry where there is nothing specific for male entrepreneurs, people that are busy, that actually have a bigger vision than just being fit to be fit to be fit. We curate plans and specifically tailor them to their exact needs. So are you one. also always looking for coaches who are more locally centric to what they're doing, who want to buy into the billion dollar body methodology and be on your team? Yeah, always looking for more coaches, uh, people that want to be transformed by that lifestyle. A lot of times we have our clients that actually are interested in becoming part of that. Okay. So yeah, we. I'm thinking like about my coach that I use here, like who gets my big butt out of bed every day. You know, he's 
got all these wonderful things, but you know, that kind of person is the person who's like credentialed and gets it and lives the holistic lifestyle. Those are your best coaches, right? Well, actually the coaches that run businesses are our best coaches. We right. pride ourselves on the fact that we actually have entrepreneurial minded people nice. in every corner of every part of our company. So they understand what you're going through. So they'd be the ran a health company them, themselves. They are running a health company as we speak right now, just in a different area that's more automated, but they also have all the credentials as well. Even our salespeople, we have 10 salespeople in Texas right now. And even all of our salespeople have nutrition certif certifications. Uh, they have different um, personal training certifications. So they're not just salespeople. These are health experts. That yeah, just so we get this, right? Here at Fully Accountable, we run, you know, of basically I think we have three out of a couple hundred companies, Ohio clients. So we get this virtualization and how outsource and all that. What's the hardest part for you guys right now? Uh, the hardest part would be the fact that we are targeting such a niche of the industry, just a 1%. Some people would think that's really easy. Kind of it is. But at the same time, we want a very successful mindseted man who's prospering in his business, but failing at his health. And we have a resource and a community where it actually benefits both sides of their life from the business standpoint and from the health standpoint. I would say this, Nicholas, you have, it, you have a blessing to know your niche. Now, the funny thing is, let's just pick apart this for a second. You picked about the hardest niche on the planet because as, as business owners, one of the things we don't like to do is admit when we need help. Like how many people are out there like, come on, business owner. I think us entrepreneurs need help than probably everybody else included. And so I think it's an amazing blessing and I want everyone to hear this. Once you know your niche, I say this all the time. This is why Fully Accountable is exploding. Once you niche down to what you are, you have the privilege to scale. So I would say that that's great you've picked the niche. Now the hard part is that you have to convince high type A most of the time type A people uh, that they have to invest in their health like they do their company. Yeah, if I, if I were to run the same ads that I have right now towards women, I could make 10 times more money literally starting next month. I would just be a lot less purposeful and have yeah. a lot more, like, I just wouldn't feel good on the inside. You'd be a motorcross rider again. Yep, I'm doing, I'm doing this straight out of purpose, to be honest. Out of boy. That's all so I really care about. What, what do you, what, what, when you think about that purpose part, like, because we hear mission and purpose and vision, and, you know, we, we have it here at Fully Accountable, and we, we talk a lot about that. But you and I, as the visionaries of our company, right, we experience that differently than the way those words come out to our team. So when you think about that purpose, like what, what, what part is, do you, do you either get most filled up for or get the most satisfaction that helps validate that you know you're on purpose? Yeah, so- uh, Does that question make sense to you? Yeah, what's like, what's the actions that we take that makes me feel purposeful in what we're doing right now? Like what, like, so the payoff for me is our vision is to double the size of 100,000 companies. And I'll have a client go, holy cow, we've doubled in size. And I'll go, holy cow, and you're making more money than you made before? Like, I will go take 20 new clients who are pains in the butt from just that guy. Like, that will give me so much energy to go fight in through 46 more videos and 90. What have you figured out? Have you paid attention to? It's like your diet, knowing what helps you and what hurts you. Have you noticed like what hits that purpose trigger for you? 
Well, yeah, even more so, I've noticed what doesn't. Ah. And that's made it very obvious on what does. The people that uh, hit that purpose trigger are the ones that don't have fail in their mindset that are just literally going after it and tackling everything. We've had people start nonprofits through our company with the extra like energy and focus and this new belief that they have in themselves just from getting healthy. We're feeding thousands of kids through the community, uh, all those different things. For me, I'll tell you exactly what makes me feel good. I literally overcome challenges in my life just so that I can teach it to someone else because that's what makes me feel purposeful. So I, we have Facebook ads that are crushing it right now and it took me so long to figure that out. But mm. I'm, I'm not pumped about getting a 650 horsepower car or buying like a huge right. house or something. I'm motivated to figure out who doesn't have converting Facebook ads now and just go tell them exactly what I did for free because I couldn't give two craps because that's not how I make money. I love overcoming challenges so that someone else can go through it a lot quicker and I'm just a part of it. I wouldn't like it, to be honest. I wouldn't like it if it wasn't me in the middle being that connection, the bridge from where they're at to where they want to be. I love being that bridge that people step on I lay down they step on it so, I how, help them I, so how do you deal with that like so I I love getting under the hood and playing around but the core model we've built is to make sure we once again this is my fourth eight-figure business and I want to make sure each time I've done some things wrong and one of the things is when I put myself in the middle of it too much then our ability for our entire team to grab purpose and vision and grow I can stifle or cause impact to its growth have you thought about that? Yeah, and that's what our process is right now is trying to get me more outside of the business so I can work on future things because if I'm just sitting here all day grinding, there's been times where I was doing 40, 50 hours a week of just phone calls from coaching and yeah. then onboarding new clients and I'm sitting here going, well, that's not going to It's not grow. sustainable, right? It's not sustainable. Well, it's like driving a boat with your head between your legs. Like at some point you're going to hit uh, like an island or something, right? And that's- Oh, I think it's even worse. It's like being on the highway in that hot <laughs> rod you have in like second gear all the time, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're in the process of that. I actually, I actually have a meeting with a guy named Jay Abraham who is pretty well known in the marketing space here. Yeah. And, you know, that's a lot of what the things we're, we're going to be talking about with him. Obviously, he's in the middle of his business. Yeah. And I just want to know, how did he do it? And, you know, how did he help these people like Tony Robbins and 250 of the 500 Fortune 500 companies? And what can I do differently? I'm always ready for uh, that, that criticism or that thing like the poking my weaknesses. I hire people just for that. I have a mentor of seven years that's that awesome. only tells me pretty much what I did wrong. It Audience, did you just hear what he said? A high charged, successful CEO hires people to help him work on the weaknesses, not yeah. make them yeah. better, expose them and put some protections around them. Now I, there's one word you use that I'm not a gigantic fan of and that's criticism. I like critique. Yeah, constructive, like something. Critique sounds like something where you're bringing some, some advice to help deal with the problem. Criticism sounds like junk dumping. So in yeah. our home, we don't practice junk dumping. Um, we practice criticism that looks like critique because that way there's at least some uh, roadmap or advice to maybe a different perspective. And I'll bet you that's what your mentors do. You just use a different word, right? Yeah, yeah. And I usually I would say like constructive criticism. I don't get to talk about it a lot because yeah. most people don't go through that. But literally, uh, if you don't have people close to you that can tell you the truth, most people will tell you exactly what you want to hear. That was a great talk. That was yeah. awesome. But that's not what you need to hear to, to become better. My best clients, really deep down, even though I hate it, has been the worst clients. 
because the worst clients have exposed different ways that we can make our process better, that we can weed them out. Although, you know, are they really the worst clients or they're, it's just like, you know, swallowing medication is like truth. If you swallow it sideways, it's going to hurt, right? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Like I've come to realize I, I appreciate the client who says, you know, I love you guys. I would have liked to have gotten that email like on Thursday, like you promised it was going to come. And like, oh my gosh, did we not like meet one of our core promises? So I'm with you. I think the worst clients are the ones who absolutely forgot where they were and are somewhere else now and lack any gratitude or appreciation how you helped them get there. Yeah, we have that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) You should see the transformations we have. People like, my wife thinks I'm the best. Our relationships better. I've grown my business. I've paid off $50,000 in debt because I'm not eating out $3,000 a month right now. And I've dropped 40 pounds. But like, I mean, people that have just no gratitude, they, they forget about that in a second. Yeah. I agree. It feels like that's, that's one of those things that don't make me feel purposeful. And that's where I go back and I think, you know, how could we have made that more of a forefront of reflection, understanding what we went through together? And uh, well, also- I got a hack for you. If you want to hack, I, this is something we're doing in our company and it's uh, something you might want to consider. And you, yeah, you may be doing it. So uh, I'll write it down. So same thing, right? People come to Fully Accountable. Their books are either in one of two conditions. They don't exist or they're just absolute disaster. Um, I would love it if we got people who are a little bit put together, we just made them better, but we don't seem to get that. We seem to get one of those first two. <laughs> we then put them together, we get them going, we get their margins in line, we fix all kinds of waste. And then all of a sudden they'll go like, hey, so this is like kind of just running. What are you doing for me? And we're like, what are you talking about? We've just like saved your business life. So what we did as a result of that, I started listening to some of that um, critique and I we put in together milestone progress reports. So how like you take pictures of people and do all that stuff. Like we literally send out weekly kind of progress. Like, holy cow, did you know three months ago you weighed 183 pounds and now you weigh 162? Don't. So I used to say this to a friend of mine, Nate Kennedy, about service. You should not be in a position. You should always be reminding people about what and where they are so they don't have to try to remember why they use you. That's good. When I when I thought about that, I thought, holy cow, our clients, they really aren't trying to be malicious. They just literally don't remember because they don't want to be back in that painful moment. They just are where they are right now. And so once we started actually devel- developing this like report methodology, our clients were like, wow, do you remember? So we even like issue our financial reports, but like where you are now, where you were exactly this moment, six months ago and last year, this exact day. And people are like, holy cow, like, like, and you don't just do that for financial measurement. You do that to show progress and perspective. So I'll bet you if you institute, and you already know how to do it, so I don't have to tell you, if you do that in your thing, you will help your client practice gratitude is what we've learned. No, that's great. I wrote it all down and I'll implement it literally starting this week. So let, let's, um, no children yet. What's the plan there? Yeah, the plan is like maybe one or two years to start going after our first child. Uh, we had a, a goal that we had set a while back that most people disliked, uh, but we still haven't hit that goal yet, unfortunately. And I thought I would hit it by 25. I'm 25 now. I still have, you know, half a year or something to do it. So who knows? But uh, 
but yeah, after that, then we'll start trying to have kids. So Deb and I waited, uh, I think almost six years into our marriage before we had kids and we look back and we had these goals and, you know, my law practice was exploding and all this <laughs> stuff. And he's going to tell me it doesn't matter. Yeah. And what I've come to realize is those goals are all garbage. And so, uh, the greatest thing that's ever happened to my wife and I, second to the Lord putting us two together is how our family has grown with four other children and like all that other stuff, man, like, you know, there's a reason why uh, the analogy is the the hunter's quiver filled with arrows is like the man with children. He's very wealthy, right? And so uh, I, I would encourage you guys. I get it. I was your age, man. We got married around your age. So you're what would, what would you say is a prerequisite, like something that you want to see someone do, right? Because when I got married, I had no job. I was making $500 a month from the things I was doing. So that obviously probably wasn't the best time to have kids. When would be a prerequisite or a time where you'd go, yeah, I think it's about time. I, I think that um, if one of the two of you is, is, is leaning onto your other goals and holding back the desire to start the family, I would uncover that. Like, so for yeah. example, I was always going to be driven to keep going in business. So thankfully, Deb wanted to have kids. And so, you know, other than drug induce me and like slow me down and like, you know, produce those children, like we did things like talk about it. And so, um, Got it. and so I would say that we're in a partnership together on that issue. And so it's not me just wanting to chase my goals. If, you know, if Amanda wants kids sooner than you do, then maybe you guys talk about that. And like, because I'll tell you this, they'll just make the business better. When I have to negotiate my time now with my wife and my kids, I'm better at business because of it. You would think the opposite. Like I'm broke. By the way, kids eat more than you can possibly feed them. So you're never going to have enough money. They're always going to go to schools. They're always going to drive things. They're going to break stuff. So you're always going to be perpetually broke as a parent. But that's just how it goes. And I don't care how much money I have in my bank account. I mean this like perpetual like machine of just blowing cash out the window. So it's got to be bigger than that, right? And so it's got to look like legacy and it's got to look like investing in, you know, generational change. And so that's the mission Deb and I are on. And so, you know, it was a really cool couple. Do you know, um, um, Brandon Middleton? I don't think so. Brandon and Sam Middleton, they're like focusing on like couples and like younger couples and they have all, well, I say ministry, but their entire like marketing practice is like couples in business together. I'm going to hook you guys up. Cause I think you'll love some of the stuff they're talking about. Cause they're like goal driven, too many kids, <laughs> not enough kids. And it'll be great. But yeah. you'll, you'll be shocked. I'll bet you a couple of years from now, we'll do the show again and we'll talk about where you are and how's your family's expanding. It'll, it'll actually make um, your investment with your clientele even that much more enriched. I'm pumped to be honest. That'll be my number one focus. That's what I'm actually most scared about is that I won't want to ever not be with my kid. Mm. I mean, like not really scared, you know, that's like, I try to blow things out of proportion, but you know, I'm thinking about it going, I want to spend every moment. My dad had me riding a bicycle by the time I was two. I was the youngest kid in the world to start racing bicycles because he put me on a bicycle and was already doing things with me and could see where I was going, could see my potential and pushed me from an early age. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine if that didn't happen to me. There's so many parents. Well, right how now can I expect an extreme athlete to not want to be around his kids? All that would go, it would be incongruent to your personality. Of course you do. And you know what? You'll find how amazing that part of the purpose of your life uh, is going. So what, um, <laughs> what's the one thing that our audience, what can we help you with? What's something instead, we're going to help them more in a minute, but what can we, what, what's a need that uh, the company has at the billion dollar body right now? How easy is it for people to answer that question as a CEO? 
Just wondering, uh, like, I guess I, it what would depend, like, how transparent you want to be. Like, so for me, I can answer that question very quickly because I know what I'm working on because I'm always a few steps ahead of the company. But yep. not all business owners think like that, right? Some of them are in the grind of doing it every day. And if you don't have one, don't have to force it. But No, no, I definitely have them. This is something we do in our community at every single call is what's your biggest need? Because we have a high level group of men. Men yeah. love solving problems. Right. So if they all have strengths and they can help solve your problem quickly, we love it. Plus, but I also think it's a, a wonderful way since givers like to give and help. It's a wonderful way you're going to find out some people that might be potential clients. They want to help you. They're going to get to know you a little better. And so, I mean, I'm not trying to be manipulative. I'm just being honest. Like, it's just the reality of life. When people help each other, there's this like, uh, like we call in the law a quid pro quo. Like they feel like they need to have a mutual exchange to it. So I don't necessarily agree with quid pro quo, but the world kind of acts that way. But what is the need we can help you with a billion dollar money? Yeah. So our biggest need right now is to make our event great, really. Mm -hmm. And going forward from there is keeping everyone connected as a community of giving without expecting anything in return. And that's been our biggest push and our biggest motivation for our community has been one, how can we get everyone in a live setting at BillionDollarBodyLive.com? And then from there, how can we create a momentum of community that gives without expecting anything in return? Love because it. if everyone gives, what ends up happening is everyone gets their needs met or they just have to communicate about it. So it's a very different uh, thing that, than I've seen from other communities. I invest five, multiple five figures a year in the masterminds and not necessarily do I get that give without expecting anything in return. Nothing wrong with it. You know, we all have businesses, we all have specific people, but it allows everyone to connect as well without yep. only connecting with select people that are going to benefit them right now. Yeah, I think and most people to... practice mutual exchange, right? It's a which is, it's which probably, is good. Well, I, I don't know if it's good or not good. I just <laughs> I don't I I'd say this. Right? So I practice my faith a lot and the truth of of the Bible says that we 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 are to practice giving without any expectation in return, right? We're not to practice mutual exchange, right? Yeah, no, I agree. It looks like favoritism and all these other things. It's just hard, right? Because in business, we only have so much time. And so like, it's this struggle constantly where I'm like, someone wants to get on the phone. Hey man, you're a super great business guy. Can I pick your brain for 15 minutes? Yep. How many of those do you get? Uh, I, I tithe 10% of my time. So I do about uh, at least an hour a day of those. And yeah, sometimes it's just like I miss out on dinners with friends because yeah. I have a call scheduled and then it ends up being someone that's like that. And I just have to think, you know, what would I have wanted when I was yeah. 20? Yep. And what would I have wanted when I was 18? Uh, the way yeah. we're actually taking a percentage of our income right now for not our personal income, we give that in a different way. But for the company, we're trying to figure out a way that we can give part of our income to bring in speakers that get paid. Schools don't have to worry about it. We're going to go into high schools because that's where my whole life was transformed. So I'm a big, I'm a big believer in giving because obviously, like you know, um, my wife and I went to ministry school for two years. Yeah, right. I traveled to 13 countries. I've spoken to tens of thousands of people in poor communities that no one on here will ever know. And, you know, that's been the majority of the people I've actually spoke to has been people that live in garbage dumps and in yeah. dirt houses and stuff. So, well, I you know, love that part of your story, by the way, that you, you actually were in the, you know, training to be in ministry and do missionary work and all that. And that just lends right to this whole philosophy you have about community. What's, uh, What's the hardest part? Because we have a lot of people on here who are toying with membership models and community and all mm. that. What's the hardest part about maintaining that community? That there's so many other people doing it. 
You have to be polarizing in your message and that polarization will always bring negative feedback, but it'll bring way more positive feedback. If people don't know exactly what you're about, there's 50 other communities out there doing the same exact thing. So I'm actually blown away, even though we don't have tens of thousands of people in our community, I'm blown away even by five even of our multi seven figure, eight figure earners that actually choose to spend their time there. So we honor that. So the hardest thing right now is, uh, for me is also realizing that your community is worth it. Cause when you see all these other people doing it, you're going, dang, like what would make my community actually worth something? And then that second part is being polarizing enough in your message to fully stand out as the company and the message and what you're trying to achieve because that polarization will be the only thing that actually will attract the ideal people into that community. And yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what the hardest part is really because I've, I've been on the constant grind. This has taken me five years. So all of it's been hard. I, I had no one, I had no Facebook friends. I had no followers. I had nobody who liked me. I had no girlfriend all throughout high school. I've married, I've dated one girl since I was 13 years old and I married her. So I didn't have well, some. Well, you couldn't let that thing. one get away. So good for you. At least you didn't Yeah, I was that. one for one. Like I had a hundred percent close. So, you know, for me, it all came through this consistent effort. And it seems like the more that I focused on how can I grow as a person and how can our company grow as, yep. as a single person as well. And how the more polarizing and the more we've been able to push the, their strengths, the more people have come in. It's always been a direct reflection of my life. The more that I'm willing to open up, the more vulnerable I'm willing mm. to be, the more I'm willing to be polarizing and share my story and my message since that's what my whole company is built off of, is built off of all my struggles, right? Insecurity, uh, like n I, I had no business. I got married and I had no job. I had no income. I had no education. Now I you can say you have college. no kids. Yeah, <laughs> now I have no kids. Uh, so, you know, out of all those things, like when I have kids, that'll be a message of mine. Yeah. So that polarizing, that's what I see people not doing. Uh, and then I, I see too many people also thinking so short term. All right, let's it, talk about that because that's the big, that's a biggie. What do you mean by that? Short term, meaning even in just relationship. If someone can't do something for you right now that's equally beneficial as you're giving them, people want to break off relationships. They don't want to invest in areas. You know how many tickets I've bought to other people's events because my event's going on? I'm not even going to go to them. I'm gifting them. But I know that in the long term, this is a great investment to build relationship. I'm not looking for anything right now. Right. I'm not looking for anything this year. I'm looking to just get a foot in the door with all these people. And so even when I go to events now, for four years, I went to events to make money. Now that I make money, now I go to events so that I can build long-lasting relationships so that when the time comes, that relationship blooms into something that actually can be really effective rather than making $250, $2,500, now. I, actually, I, I can't tell you that. how many people, you're young, man. Like if I wish I, I even kind of got it at your age about that issue, but I, I'm firmly convinced that a very small, dangerously small number of people actually respect time at a level that allows you to have, in my case, a more eternal perspective, but a larger, longer perspective that allows you to look at something. People will want money now and will forego later opportunity or relationship, all the stuff you're investing in because we need it right now. And I tell you, that's one of the, um, the dangers of immediate access with technology is that we want everything immediately and we're yeah. feeding this lack of respect of time. So 
Dude, stay on that wall. If people want to be Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone today, right? They want to, Jesus could, at 12 years old could have already went out and preached on America's Got Talent. He could have been on America's Got Talent last night. He memorized the entire Old Testament right. at 12 years old and no, everyone else is reading from scrolls, but he didn't do that. And I looked at it and I thought, why, why is that? Since he did one with no Instagram, no Facebook, no car, no plane, he influenced way more people than any of us ever will and still continues to have like 3 billion people follow him right now. If he had a social channel, it'd probably be more than that. Well, he wouldn't so, have the room for it, right? The social channel probably wouldn't even work. Yeah, he'd break the whole system. So with yeah. that, it made me think, well, this is a guy that created a movement. This is a guy that built followers that were actually sold out. Think about his first 12. He goes up to me and goes, drop everything and follow me. Can you imagine the clothes? You're like, Nobody would ever follow me. I'm in the middle of fishing, man. What do you mean I'm gonna go? I gotta get dinner on the table. I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. Leave yeah. your, leave your, your, your family. Leave your, leave everyone and follow me. I just couldn't imagine it. So when I look at that, he waited till 30 years old. So yeah. people ask me right now, why don't I, you know, try to push harder to make extra income? You know, why don't I try to like up level really quickly? And I'm really not that zealous to try to hit a pinnacle really, really quick of just this short-term success. I'm excited to just craft and learn and learn from clients, learn from mentors, learn from people like you that are actually doing it and staying up to date. Believe me, I'm still working 12 yeah. to 15 hours every day as a total passion, but I'm doing it to really learn and groom myself so that I don't think I'm way further ahead than I actually am. Ladies I, I know and that gentlemen, listen up. If you are realizing one thing right now, pay attention to this guy. You're going to watch him blow right by most of you because he's investing in a longer investment. Nicholas, I love that, but that is, that is killer. Like I loved how you, you laid up the whole Jesus ministry started at 30. Like he invested wisely. Like, dude, that's like, he could have started at 12, right? I saw America got talent last night. The worst part about that is that at 12 years old, they already made it guarantee you it'll ruin their whole life. Well, have you ever seen like all the child celebrities? Like, where are they now? And none of them are like awesome. <laughs> like yeah. none of them, like they've peaked early. And so I, I think feel bad for people that reach success easily. I really do. I'd yeah. rather people fail. It's like, it's, I feel so sad because that happened to me. We were doing $36,000 a month when I was 20 years old and I, I was so lazy, had no clue how I got it. It was the same thing as losing weight. If you mm. don't know how you lost it and how to keep it, well, then it makes your life worse, just like winning the lottery. You have all the money, but you don't know how to keep it, and you don't know how you got it. Which Whoa, is the so I was just about to ask you to give us a tidbit, but you just did. Did yep. everybody repeat that so our people hear that? Yeah, the people that win the lottery, they get what we all want, right? To build a multi seven, six, eight, whatever figure empire, and they win it, but the two things they don't have that makes their life worse is they don't know how they got it, and they don't know how to keep it. So they watch it dwindle away. And that right there is what makes them go broke. I think it's four years or something like that. The majority of them go bankrupt. They're just trying to get that stuff away from them to go back to regular life. So even with weight, when I lost 60 pounds, I still didn't have this thing that we call power and confidence, meaning that I didn't really know how I got there. I just worked really, really hard and I didn't know how to keep it and sustain it, which made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel worse off than when I was actually overweight. So that's when I actually went and hired these coaches and, and got help was to figure out how can I create something and how can I keep it or sustain it that ultimately builds that confidence and that feeling of that you have control over something. The worst thing that can happen is getting success too easy. And Danny Johnson, she 
runs an amazing. She's awesome, by the way. One yep. of my friends, Jeff Usner, is like really good friends with her. She's great. She's amazing. And she says the worst part of success is a little bit. Just mm. that little bit of success too easily is the worst part because then it makes you lazy. It makes you think that it's too easy. And that's what happened to me. I lost everything because I didn't know how to create the income really. I got lucky. Yeah. I didn't know how to sustain it. And it was a rude awakening when I had to go work for my dad and his business and for two and a half years, taking almost no paycheck just to learn how to do business for real because what I was doing before was just fake. And there's lots of people catching that wave right now. Look at, watch how I built a Facebook group to 10,000 people. I'm like, dude, like if I had $10,000, I could give away free books to people that join my Facebook group and build 10,000. And if I built a company off of that, it's just not going to last long. And I feel like there's too many, it's just bringing too much noise in the industry. I think we need to humble ourselves, especially as young people like me, humble myself to realize that I don't know everything. And I'm upfront about that with our clients. I'm still confident because I know where I'm going. Believe me, like you would think I'm probably uh, more than confident. But at the same time, I equally know that, man, I, if, if I asked Vinny the number one thing when he was 25-year-old, what would he say? It'd probably be to realize that I didn't know it all. Like, oh, that's what he would say. I'll tell you, man. You were, we were such in a hurry to have that part. Hey, Nicholas, we are – I can't help myself. I've been loving this. We are way – we blew way past the time. That's awesome, though. Hey, I want to thank you for being on the show. If you want to find Nicholas and his wife, you go to the – BillionDollarBody.com. And if you want to go to their live events, you just go to BillionDollarBodyLive.com. Is that right? Absolutely. You we'll have all that in our comments below since this is a live show. Nicholas, I really uh, appreciate being on the show today. Hey, thank you so much, man. That was fun. It's fun.